Welcome to the Inner Source Healing Podcast, the program about healing from toxic abuse. My name is Deborah Ashway. I'm a mental health therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist, but I also have been where you are now and have experienced the devastating effects of toxic abuse. It has been a long journey through the path of healing, but when we finally awaken from the trance that we so easily fall into around toxic people, life can be absolutely amazing. It's like you can finally breathe, live, and experience life in full, vivid, extraordinary color. I want to help people get there by healing from dependency, codependency, trauma, and abuse. The healing process brings us through long-standing perceptions that have held us back from experiencing a more fulfilling and meaningful life. Loss is inevitable. This episode is focused on loss because loss is a part of life. And more importantly, loss is a part of any toxic relationship. We always lose a part of ourselves whenever we whenever we're around anyone with toxic behaviors, and especially when we're around somebody who has very little empathy. Anybody who falls on the, what I will call the toxic spectrum, which includes cluster B personality disorders, um, anyone who looks out for themselves, and like psychopaths, sociopaths, anyone who has little empathy and are is generally focused on getting their needs met before anything else and with little regard to others is pretty damaging to those around them. So the other part of loss is that the fear of it itself can keep us stuck in toxic relationships. We fear loss, loss is painful, and so we stay in very unhealthy situations. The fear of loss itself is the very thing that traps us. It's the fear. The fear becomes so great that we subtly begin to overlook lots of things that normally we would have run from. So let's just start with the five stages of loss as an overview. There are five stages to any loss, and that is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Denial is the first stage, and that is um, really, you know, just what it says. It's denying that there's any problem, denying or rationalizing, for example, rationalizing the narcissist's bad behaviors, making excuses, or actually missing the bad behaviors altogether, which is pretty common since we've been conditioned, and a lot of us, most of our lives have been conditioned to be around people like that and focus on their needs and their wants. And so it doesn't even hit our radar. We don't even notice that the behaviors are damaging or toxic. The reason, the reasons that denial occurs in loss is because the protective parts of our brain are designed to keep us from feeling pain. Loss is painful. Whenever we feel pain, the protective part of our brain steps in and shoves that pain aside. It moves it to our body somewhere, and it distracts us so that we don't even know what's happening. 
There's so many reasons that denial occurs in toxic relationships. We're conditioned over time to put our needs, our wants, our desires, our experiences and wishes, anything about us aside in order to appease the person who is focused on themselves, the person with toxic behaviors. Before that even happens, though, we are hooked and captured by the initial phase of the relationship. So I should talk about the phases of toxic relationships. The relationship cycle of any narcissistic and or toxic abuse typically has three phases, and these cause a whirlwind of confusion. The first phase is idealizing. The second phase is devaluing, and the third phase is discarding. And this cycle repeats over and over and round and round and, I mean, round and round we go, causing a dizzying and blinding vortex of smoke and mirrors, and it's no wonder that the average length of the denial stage is about 10 years. The average stage of denial in a toxic and abusive relationship is 10 years. And that's because of this cycle. Idealization, that's the first phase, is experienced as euphoric and beautiful and electrical and intense. And the emotional high is so high, it's similar to the effects of very powerful drugs such as heroin or ecstasy. In fact, it works on the same neural pathways, the same um, areas in the brain. It releases the same chemicals, the oxytocin, activating the pleasure center. So it's like a drug. It works the same way as a drug. And this phase usually and typically lasts about six months, sometimes more, sometimes less. It can go on for years or it can only, you know, it could last a few days or weeks. But I guess on the average, it's about six months. And targets of toxic abuse, victims, people who have been in abusive relationships who are in abusive relationships or toxic relationships, those are what we call targets. That's what I'm referring to as targets. Feel like they have met their soulmate in this phase. It is overwhelming. This also sometimes is referred to as the love bombing phase. There's usually a lot of gifts, a lot of attention, compliments, praise, a lot of courting. There'll be also a lot of intense sex and promises of a future that sound too good to be true. The uh, toxic behaviors, we're going to refer to that as the narcissist right now, but but really keep in mind I'm including anyone with toxic behaviors. The uh, narcissist reaches in and finds the most vulnerable places of their target and then they build them up so that you feel like the most special person on the planet. You feel like the most important and the most adored and loved and it's incredible. It's a great feeling. Who doesn't want to feel like that? But then after a while, because this phase is impossible to sustain, it's impossible because people with toxic behaviors and people who fall on the spectrum 
um, they must sustain their ego or their sense of self with this external source right now in the first phase, which is their target. But that is insustainable. So inevitably, the devaluation phase begins. And it happens so slowly that you don't even notice it at first. So maybe, for example, like the sex remains amazing, but then you start feeling the distancing in other areas. Like maybe, um, maybe you notice the narcissist paying attention to others in similar ways that they pay attention to you. They're still giving you attention, but now you're noticing that their attention is also going elsewhere where you thought that you were the special one. Um, maybe other red flags start appearing. Maybe they begin to show their irritable side or their hyper judgmental comments take you by surprise. Or there might be more covert and insidious comments that just feel devaluing to you. But they tell you that they're joking or that you're too sensitive, so you brush it off. You might begin to experience gaslighting where some of your memories might become skewed. You start to question your own experiences or your own memories or they even tell you that your memory is terrible. And sometimes they might appear unemotional or unempathetic and after you thought that they were so caring. So this throws you off a bit. But they have a way of explaining that away too. Like maybe they just had a bad day or they're just tired or something. So you, you kind of brush that off and you begin to notice slight withdrawals of affection or even maybe physical intimacy. Before you thought they couldn't get enough of you and then suddenly they seem to go MIA from contact and maybe blaming you for their avoidance. But this phase continues to build slowly and subtly. And all the while, the protective part of your own brain gets more and more creative with the excuses. And it is helped along with the uh, excuses that the narcissist gives you. So you've got kind of a double whammy there working against you. So this phase continues until ultimately it enters into the discarding phase where they must discard and move on. Their ego simply cannot sustain the inflated state required to keep their sense of self established without depleting the supply from the target individual. That supply will become depleted. They always, the narcissist always needs more. This is inevitable. You will try to bargain with them. This is where we enter into maybe the bargaining stage. You'll ask for more. You'll try to compromise. You'll use empathy, reciprocity, although it's not actually reciprocity because you're really doing most of the giving. You'll try anything you can, but you won't get it. The narcissist might disappear or they might even orchestrate their own abandonment by creating some catastrophe or emotional abuse. But the target always feels shocked and deeply hurt and completely confused. So this leaves very deep wounds. The bargaining stage of loss sort of seems a little bit like the denial stage because we're still denying reality. We're still making excuses. We're still not seeing things for what they are. And we think things like, if I just 
did this differently or if I would have done that or if I didn't do that or maybe if I maybe I can win back the approval if I do something different maybe I can look better maybe I can think better be better act better but then eventually we start entering into the anger phase now this is if we're going through loss and we want to get to the anger phase we start realizing how much we've been tricked and played for so long. So once the manipulation tactics that have been used on us come, come into our awareness and we be, begin to see things more clearly, anger is a natural and actually a healthy response. It is a necessary response. Anger, like any other human emotion, serves a purpose. And anger's purpose is to help build much needed boundaries. Toxic people have a way of first violating, actually annihilating and destroying boundaries. And have you ever noticed that you seem to be okay with things um, when you're into a toxic relationship that you thought you never would have put up with? You might have heard about this in other relationships and questioned why are they still with them? This is not exactly your fault. Now that you see what is happening though, it is your responsibility. But what happened when the narcissist bulldozed you was not your fault. So, but when anger does finally step in, some people actually feel guilty about feeling angry. And that again is partly the protective part of the brain. Kind of, we might fluctuate bef between anger, denial, and bargaining. And in addition to that, um, you know, we've been conditioned to accept whatever the narcissist has thrown at us. We've been conditioned over time. And that includes not having feelings of our own, and especially feelings that were unfavorable to the narcissist. So you might have been called selfish or greedy or crazy or sensitive or any other names that are tossed out with the intention of controlling emotions. And nobody wants to feel bad about themselves, so they automatically stop being upset. But keep in mind, anger is necessary. This is important. It won't last, but it is important to build the boundaries that are needed to protect yourself. Eventually, in the healing journey and getting through loss, we enter into the depression stage. This is the very stage that we have been trying to avoid. This is what our protective part of our brain wants to keep away from us. But we must go through this phase in order to heal. It is necessary. Once we accept this, we can process it and move on. And this is difficult because it hurts so much and because our protective brain has a sneaky way of keeping this from us. And sometimes that keeps us stuck in this phase. And what if we get stuck in this, in this stage? It's almost always because of that protective part of our brain. Remember, that doesn't want us to feel pain which includes sadness, emptiness, loneliness, rejection, or any other uncomfortable emotional experience. So there are some things that you can do to help move along the path of healing. Open up 
to allowing the flow of energy through you. You won't exactly like this part. In fact, you won't like this part at all. But this is the catalyst. This is the catalyst for actual healing. This is where you feel the pain. It, and don't worry, it's not as bad as you fear. The fear is always the worst part. Remember, the fear is what keeps us stuck. The fear of this pain is worse than the actual pain itself. You can do this. And in fact, you must do this to begin the flow of emotional energy. That has to start moving and flowing in order to get unstuck. It's like breathing, making room for the new. It will not last forever. You can handle it. Go into the pain and face it head on. Be gentle with yourself. The pain will come and go in waves and cycles, but your feelings are normal. The pain strengthens you. It builds you and it brings meaning into your life. Remember that and actually honor the pain when you're in it. And remember, you are never alone. Here's some ways to cope with some of this pain and heal. Pay attention to your feelings. Pull away from self-blame. Remember, do not blame yourself. None of this is your fault. Recognize the stage that you're in and maybe even label it. That helps bring it out to the awareness. It brings it to the language center of the brain and removing it from the um, subconscious into the conscious. Feel your feelings. Where in your body do you feel that? Get real specific. What is this pain telling you? It's probably telling you horrible things about yourself. What is it saying about you? Remember, those are lies, but you at least have to recognize what it's saying so that you can again bring this into your consciousness, bring it into your awareness, and have some control over it. No, you aren't the worst person in the world. Yes, you do have value. You are lovable. It is probably telling you all kinds of horrible things, but those are lies. Accept your feelings. Accept that those are your feelings and that those are the cognitions attached to the feelings and accept that they're painful, but feel it and then release it. Remember your faith also. This can go a long way. Whatever you believe in, whatever thing that you believe in, whether it is God, it, whether it's nature, physics, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever is greater than you, Remember your faith and know that you are never alone. Open up to possibility. Set your boundaries and state them clearly. I will not accept this. Reclaim your identity. We will have another podcast on that because that's an important part. Because we have buried our own identity for so long and now we must reclaim it. Practice self-compassion. Bring that compassion back to yourself. Understand that your feelings might linger and that's okay. Talk to other people. Find a trusted friend or a therapist or somebody that you can talk to to get some feedback, to get some reflection. And then the last stage, that's the stage that that's the goal. That's where we're trying to get 
is acceptance. When we finally get to this stage, we are free of the binding hold that emotions can have over us. We are free of that fear that keeps us bound and trapped. This is what freedom feels like. We accept what is. We accept anything that is in our moment. We understand that there was pain and that there might be more moments of pain, but we also understand that we can handle it and we can move through it. And we know that we'll be able to pull through and even stronger after going through it. So this is where we want to get to. You can do this. I promise. If you want to learn more, um, if you have any questions, if you'd like to ask me anything or like me to do a podcast on anything, please contact me. You can go to my website at www.innersourcetherapy.com. You can visit my YouTube channel or my Instagram. Please let me know. Um, If you like this, you can subscribe and please come back for more if you're on this healing journey with us.